the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. Welcome to the Instructor Podcast. As always, I am your splendid host, Terry Cook, and I am chuffed to be here, and even more chuffed that you have chosen to listen. And every week here on the Instructor Podcast, I talk to leaders, experts, innovators, and even game changers to look at ways that we can help you improve your business and potentially become an even more excellent driving instructor. However, today, it's a little bit different because you may or may not be aware that I've just had a few health issues recently. Nothing too serious, but a cuddle is always welcome. But it's just affected me in the way that I've not re- really had the energy or the focus to go out and create an awesome episode for you. So what I've done is got to see something a little bit extra special because... As well as running the Instructor Podcast, I also run the Instructor Podcast Premium. And over there, we have a whole host of shows that you can access for for £10 a month. One of which is the Standard Check Checklist. It's one of my most popular shows over there. So I've decided to put one of those on this episode. And it's a one with Chris Benson as we dive into what's the practice areas suitable. So hopefully uh, you will forgive me for not having a standard episode for you today, but hopefully you will enjoy something a little bit different with this episode of the Standard Check Checklist. And just before we dive into the actual episode, I'm just going to take a moment to give a little plug to the Instructor Podcast Premium. Because if you listen to today's episode and like it, there is a whole host of more of this quality over on the Instructor Podcast Premium. For £10 a month, you get different series of shows, one of which is the Standard Check Checklist. So there's currently five episodes of this over there. There is the uh, sixth episode due to come out later this month. We also have things around coaching, and I do a a lovely series called One Way Street, where I get someone in to do a deep dive in a specific topic with no tangents, which is very challenging for me, as you're aware. And we've even got a new show coming out called Driving Business, getting into the business side of being a driving instructor. But as well as all that additional content, you also get the shows early and ad-free, and you get some exclusive benefits. So you get a 16% discount with GoRoady Pro. So the diary management app, GoRoady, if you sign up to the Instructor Podcast Premium, you get a 16% off the subscription over there. You also get a £10 discount with Bob Morton's Client Set and Learning. That's about 33% discount. So a £10 discount over there. And as you may have heard on our most recent episode, you'll also get a 50% discount. That's right, 50% discount off of all the products and services offered by the ADI or PDI Dr. Lee Sperry. So if you sign up to Instructor Podcast Premium, you will actually be saving more than you spend if you are choosing to invest in yourself. Also, signing up helps with the costs and time and running of the show. And if you want to sign up and contribute in that way, but don't want all the extra content, you could still sign up and just not use it. Or you could sign up for the lower tier and you could sign up like a couple of people have done already for our £2 a month tier, where you just pay £2 a month. You don't get anything for that other than my eternal gratitude and a warm, fuzzy feeling inside. But it does contribute towards a one running of the show. And I'm very, very grateful. But hopefully we'll be back as normal next week. Although we'll, we'll play that by here a little bit. But hopefully we're back as normal next week. But I'd love to get your thoughts and see how you found this episode. So let's uh, let's dive in. So 
So we have got another wonderful premium exclusive piece of content for you as we continue to dive into our standards check checklist. And today we are looking at the third competency within that checklist, which is were the practice areas suitable? As always, it's not just me, because if it was, you wouldn't be getting an awful lot of quality around this. I'm joined by the ever delightful, magnificent, wonderful and tremendous um, and somewhat architectural godlike Chris Chris Benstead. How are you doing, Chris? <laughs> We've got to explain it now. Uh, no, I'm doing really, I'm doing really good. Yes, I yesterday for anyone listening, yesterday I got referred to as an architect in the industry, and I thought that was a really cool phrase. Um, but I need to change my voice to match Morgan Freeman's. I feel it's more appropriate. Yeah, and um, when I hear the phrase sort of the architect in the industry, I think of like a, a godlike figure, um, <laughs> and I will be posting it referring to as the architect in the industry or God, and just see if anyone actually comments on that. But either way, um, yeah, today we uh, thank you for joining us for the Sanders Check Checklist, where we dive into the the competences, which I know that you're a massive fan of. I I I'm so not. I I I 100 get if I go to the doctors, I want the doctor to know everything about what might be wrong with me all the technical words and and mechanisms and everything else and then i want to tell want them to tell me what cream do i need and is it going to kill me and that's pretty much it so i always think yes no know the marking sheet you know yeah how go through it make sure you understand it and what it what's being looked for but on the day scientifically proven you can't keep 17 things in your head under pressure not under pressure. I often mention this: uh, the magic number seven, plus or minus two. Um, nice book, especially if you like some numbers. Uh, but there, that's a number of things that you can manage. So anything from five to nine, depending on who you are. And under pressure, that goes down from somewhere to, from three to one. So why try and manage seventeen things? So you know, yes, brilliant. Make sure you've ticked all the boxes and it's all there. But then try and simplify it and, and, and try and just make sure that you, like, like we do with driving, it's all about, well, not mirror signal manoeuvre because I don't like that either, but look, tell, do. Um, I can't spell manoeuvre. So, yeah, keep it simple. But I, w- I, w- I will happily, you know, pander to the, to the 17 competencies so that we can make sure everybody understands them so they know that they don't need them anymore. Um. Thankfully, uh, you've not joined us for the fandom of it. You've joined us for your knowledge, which is great. And just mentioning manoeuvre, I had a student's mum text me today talking about manoeuvres. And when I was replying, I had to scroll back up to copy how she'd spelt it because I didn't have a clue. You know, I get to man when I'm gone. But uh, we are here to talk about the Sanders check checklist. And the question I like to ask everyone to begin with is around who to take. So when you look at the top of the sheet, it says you can take a beginner, partly trained, trained, full license holder, or full license holder, new or experienced. Um, and I'd like to ask everyone their thoughts on this because it's the question I probably see most asked online, who should I take? So what are your thoughts initially on that, Chris? The person that you need to take is really, really simple. It is the one that is guaranteed to turn up. Um, you need someone. You can't take the test. You can't sit the test uh, or check, rather, with, without a pupil there. So get someone that's going to be reliable because if you can then take that pressure off of you that you know that person will be there you know that they're going to be stable so they're not going to absolutely fall apart and or you know they they're they're going to deliver what you know it's going to, it's going to take all that pressure off of you and then you can do what you what you do 
You can be good at what you're doing because you haven't got all those other worries of oh, what's going to go wrong. You know, what what if there's a power cut? What if the the, the trains break down that day? Well, what if all of these things happen and I don't manage to to go to do the actual job? You can focus on the actual job, the job in hand. So it folk find find someone that will turn up. The only thing I would say uh, in addition to that is that you've got COVID restrictions at the moment. They want someone who is able to keep the wheels moving. They're talking about you know the 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 definitely part trained, if not you know nearly test ready or fully trained, um, or even full license holder uh, and that side of things because they want the wheels moving. Um, whether you agree or disagree. You know, it, it needs to be based around that because otherwise they'll just turn around and say sorry. That you know, and that counts as one of your strikes. And uh, not that there there aren't actually any strikes. You, you know, we're only entitled to one test. Um, but I would just bear that in mind. Um, I do just want to touch on that uh, briefly because you mentioned the point there. We're entitled to one test because I don't want anyone listening to now panic and start thinking, oh, crap, I thought I had three, but now I only get one. Just kind of expand on what you mean by that. Very valid point. Yes, don't don't panic, Mr. Mannering. Um, it's, uh, it, there is nothing in legislation that says that they have to give us three things. That is DVSA generosity at its finest, that they're saying, you know, all right, we get you might have a bad day. So, you know, they, they give us three runs at it um to allow for for these things um but it was you know it was made very clear with this the recent changes on on how we're all being assessed as whether we're any good or not and whether we needs to be called in for a standards check um that there there is no entitlement to those three um and and everything's at you know at dvsa discretion and therefore they've said you get your three attempts yeah. so you're fine you know, it, if it does go horribly wrong, don't fret. Um, but get some bloody training. Um, we, you know, you, we don't want the phone calls that all trainers like myself get, which are, um, I've failed two, and I really don't know what I'm doing wrong because I thought I was a really good instructor. Um, and then, uh, you know, it, I've got my third in two days' time. Um, it, you wouldn't believe how often it happens. Make sure you know your stuff. Um, and then if it doesn't go well the first time, get someone in the car with you, you know, get them to look at what you're actually doing because there it will be, it'll be communication. Either you're not understanding what's going on, which is why podcasts like this are, are great that break it down and, and, you know, make sure that you are, you've got the right understanding. Um, or it will be that, uh, you're, you're misunderstanding what the examiner is trying to explain because they take an assumed knowledge and our knowledge and their knowledge aren't the same. So we see it differently. Yep. And again, just touching on what you've said there, if you're listening to this, you are taking the first step in getting some training. This is a really good introduction to the standards check and how it breaks down. And the other good thing is that you are now hearing the third person that's been on this checklist series. So you have a variety of people to choose from. If you like liking what Chris is saying or what Ray Seagrave or Bob Morton said or anyone else that goes in the future, you can go and find those people and ask for training over there. But I want to just, um, again, touch back on what you spoke about, the who to take. I think it's really interesting that whenever I speak to any uh, what I would consider expert trainers they all say the same thing about how to take it's always in essence it doesn't really matter 
you know, the, the roots of it are yes, there's preferences. You know, you want to take someone ideally you get on with, someone reliable, like you said, is, is the key. Um, you know, someone, like I said, ideally at least partly trained. But in terms of the actual pupil, everyone's just saying the same thing. It doesn't matter. And I think that, that, that us as uh, driving instructors that aren't, audit trained or, or trainers and trainer instructors, we, we're guilty of focusing on that too much, which is very much what learners do, isn't it? They focus on the test. What will the examiner think about this one thing rather than all the rest of the test? We focus on this, which is in a lot of ways the least important thing. Yes. And the, where it goes wrong isn't in um, – it, it's not in the plan that comes before. It's the plan that happens on the day, and they're two very different things. And yeah, we're looking at practice area. The planned practice area will be the correct one for the plan at the time at which you, you decided. However, on the day, the area might have changed. My um, uh, my last check test before it became standards check, uh, I was out doing some country roads on a route that I'd been down before and gone, this will be awesome. And nothing happened. It was a really eventful route. There was loads of stuff to work with before. It was shocking. I was paddling frantically because the route had changed. The environment had changed. And I picked a route that I couldn't adapt. And adaptation is really important. Um, or the need changes. So you decide to do roundabouts, which I'm always a bit funny about roundabouts. It can work really well, but it's lots of elements we should be looking at elements, not at subjects. So we look at, you know, we, we, all right, we'll go out and do roundabouts and we're working on judgment, but their clutch control goes out the window. Um, stop. Don't keep doing roundabouts. Go and do clutch control. At that point, the the practice area being used is going to be the wrong one. Now, it might have been brilliant for the um, uh, for the um, for the initial plan. But for what's needed, it's not. And that's the important thing. Yeah. So what you're saying essentially is you're gonna you wanna make the 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 plan for the lesson and then put the area based around that, not the other way around. Yes, but then there's the likelihood it'll have to change. Yeah. And we we're all we decide it you know, moving it outside, it's always better, isn't it? We all do it as trainers. We don't talk about driving. So we don't talk about a driving situation. You know when uh, you've got to have a nasty conversation with someone. Some you're either gonna, you know, it's going to be a row. You've got to ask them for a favour, and you know they're going to say no. You've got to address something that they said that you know it wasn't taken very well, um, and it's going to be a problem. And you, you you work yourself up, and you rehearse the conversation, and you've got all of your comebacks ready, and you know, you go in, and your blood's pumping, and you're ready for it, and you say it, and they just go, oh yeah, really sorry about that. And they burst your bubble. And you, you've rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed it. You don't still have the argument. You step, well, you shouldn't. <laughs> Some do. Um, you, you step back and you go, oh, okay. I didn't realise that that was the case. Or I didn't know, um, you know, I, di I didn't know what was, you know, what, what was going on behind the scenes. Um, and that's the same thing you've got to do with the standards check. You know, we've got all this rehearsing. Which pupil do I take? The one that turns up. Um, which which area do I go to? The one that suits the need of the person who turned up. And um, I remember I was chatting with um, uh, with Lynn, Lynn Barry about the standards check and, and things. And, and I said that 
my next one should i do one because all it's a bit different um i'd love to take someone that i don't know and start at the test center um with someone i don't know because i work really well like that um that's why i do so much prep for when i'm talking to you um because i, I work better when i haven't because I get caught up in what I was thinking before and I'd rather live in the moment. And I know that that works better for me. The look of horror on Lynn's face, because she, she likes to have, have the plan and know that she's covered. And I respect that. Absolutely. It's not knocking it at all. It just doesn't work for me. Um, but for me, that pre-plan can sometimes mean you get stuck in that groove or that trajectory and you keep following it. And that's when, and I think this is misunderstood. So, you know, out of everything that we say today, probably this is this is the 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 bit that's most relevant to that competence is when they say the area wasn't suitable, they're not saying that the area wasn't suitable. They're saying that the area didn't match the needs and ability level for that pupil at that moment in time. And you're gonna get uh, and, and Bob Morton's a, a great one for 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 this with uh, the way that he delivers um, standards check stuff. You get a knock on effect. You'll see the that that one competency being knocked will hit three or four others, and you you suddenly see a real drop in in the score. Um, you don't lose one mark; you'll lose five uh, potentially. And because of that get that right and this opposite happens you pick up the others so um that interconnectivity it's not about was it a good place to go it's did it match and do you know what in most cases if the instructor gets it right with their level of instruction with the agreement the role um, job share between them and the pupil doesn't matter where you are as long as there's not too much going on around you it matters what you do when you're there but then in true dvsa fashion the way it's worded makes it sound like you went to the wrong place and it's not necessarily it's that what you did in that place you know was was wasn't necessarily matching um you know it's uh it, it's like trying to you know fry something that you should oven bake um it's not necessarily going to end up well yeah, I suppose there's an element of adaptation there, and you could work it either way. In that, if and please tell me if I'm wrong here, because I'm thinking more of a, a general lesson. If you went to an area and for some reason it wasn't appropriate, you could either change the lesson plan to suit the area, yeah. or change the area to suit the lesson plan. Because one yeah. that that springs up for me was I went to do I don't know if it must have been the second lesson with a student, and we we're doing moving off and stopping. Um, where I live, there's a really nice long. It's not a proper rural road, but it's a quiet sort of residential, rurally road. And uh, it's nice and long, and you can get a good five or six move off and stops before you get to end the road and have to do any kind of turning, which is is nice for a first lesson. Anyway, they they closed a roundabout, and all the traffic had been diverted around. So while we sat there waiting, all of a sudden, all these cars just start coming down. <laughs> and it's just like a constant street. I'm like, I would not normally do this here. And um, yes. I'm like, might be wise if I just drive us somewhere else and drove 10 minutes down the road and did it again. Yeah. You could have just as easily gone, oh, we'll make it fit. Don't make it fit. You know, go, as you say, change one or the other. 
yeah. something's got to give at that point because you're being marked on how well does it fit. And that's why it was the practice area suitable. You know, how well did it fit? And and it, it it's not going to at that point. Um, and I, th- I think you also touched on, on a massively important point, which gets, it's one of those se- sweeping statements which gets either caught up with um, myth or gets caught up with being, uh, you know, but you're on a test, which is, it is a normal lesson. A a normal lesson. So mo- moving away from the, the competencies, because I'm, I'm like a magnet being re- repelled from them, um, to, to, to what I tend to look at. Get your goals right. That's the top section. Job done. Don't worry about the competencies bit. Um, so uh, get the goals right. Then get the roles right, which is is who's doing what. And I always say you've got a big red button that the examiner can hit at any moment in time and can hand out postcards. And the two of you on the lesson or the three of you on the, on the standards check or part three, um, exactly the same. So the the... You should all be able to write down what the goal is and what each of the jobs is inside the car. Who's doing what? And everything should be covered and everything should match. And again, moving it away from being in the car, you've started a job in a coffee shop and you're being shadowed by or you are shadowing um, an experienced member of staff. So it starts with you shadowing them and you watch them do it. Demonstration, awesome. We show show them what, what needs doing or we talk it through. And then you start transferring the workload across to get them to do it. Because um, why have a dog and bark yourself? Um, so that balance at all times, both people need to know what's what's going on. Otherwise it gets dropped in between and you miss something. And then they need to know how, where, where the panic button is. How do I say I need more help? I had a pupil who used to, um, when she panicked, went silent and couldn't talk. But she could lift her little finger. So I got her to do that. At the moment which panic starts kicking in, lift your little finger. I then started paddling frantically. I took the workload off of her. I resolved it. And then we, we, we dealt with it from that point on as we needed to. And that is stupidly referred to as risk on the standards check form. It's not risk, it's job share. It's about who's doing what. Um, and then the rest of it comes on to deliver a bloody good lesson. Make sure you know your stuff. Make sure they know their stuff. And make sure that you, they are learning as you go. And and I also think, and I, I do it myself, and I just have, it's not lesson, it's session. The session is the amount of time you could have multiple lessons inside of that space. Um, and to then bring it back to that competency, Whatever whatever that's happening on a normal lesson, if it's in an area that fits, awesome. But I live near enough to London that I've done some work in London. Um, I know how spoilt, spoilt I am when I'm out of London because I've got space. If I go into London and I do a lesson, I, I, I have to make it fit what I need at that moment in time. You know, it is shoehorned in. So don't pick something like that to do. If, if you know that actually, you know, test centres tend to be in more built up areas. Um, so, you know, if it's something where actually you'd go out to the, you know, to out of town areas for it, that travel time might be too much. So, you know, that's when you kind of think, all right, that's not what I'll do on, on the subject where, you know, I'm in this area. Make sure it does match up. I mean... Like one of the tests, I think, I think this is why it's important to know your local test area area quite well, because 
one of mine that I use is, is Formbrew, which is in, in Bradford. It's kind of on the border between Leeds and Bradford. And within a 10-minute radius of Formbrew, you can cover literally everything, including motorways, railroads, dual carriageways, big roundabouts, little roundabouts, everything you can cover in that area. So if I was to do a standards check there, for example, it would be really easy to divert and go somewhere else because I know yeah. the area. So while it's not necessarily imperative that... Um, uh, what do you call them? A student knows the area for the test. It's pretty important that we know, because again, this is the difference. Where I am, it's a 30-minute drive to a test center. So when I do lessons where I am, not only do I need to know this area, but I then need to know the test area for when I go and do that standard check, because I'm being forced to do a lesson there. You know, I need to know when I come to the end of the road, if I turn left, still a residential area. If I turn right, we're going on towards a dual carriageway that's 70 mile an hour. I need to know that. So how important do you think that is, actually knowing that that area of the test center so you can make those decisions? Yes, uh, totally. And <clears throat> I think if the – it's something that I I was really guilty of when I, when I was um, just teaching, you know, my pupils and, and you know, doing the, the, the driving instructor job. Um, and I – you, you you hear the the ears prick up when people say about being in test center areas knowing where the tests work what well, we we don't mean know the route that they take we mean the area in which it's in but then there's this whole thing of you know you're teaching test routes or and and, and it ends up being really political and really judgmental and then i started working with pdis and they needed to know because they, that's what they needed to go and do. They needed to know, not necessarily the, the area where the test is, but other places as well. If they were picking a pupil up from a particular town, where's the best nursery area to go? Once that pupil could deal with wheels moving stuff, fine, you can go wherever. As long as you dodge certain areas, obviously PDIs can't go on motorways. So that's one of the ones that... Um, I had a PDI speak, speaking to yesterday who uh, ended up at uh, the wrong roundabout, wasn't where she thought she was. And, and I was like, oh, you didn't take that exit. Did you? And she <laughs> went, no, but I could have. Um, and and it's one where the motorway starts before the motorway starts. You know, So motorway regulations are there. And, and she would have been breaking the law at that point. Um, so we then had to chat about what would you do if... Um, and uh, and that's not one that I'll do on a recording, but because um, my, my my view is generally you keep it safe and you go round, turn around, and come back again because getting out is not a better option. <laughs> um, and you learn for next time. That's what and you do. Just to but, clarify, you don't turn around on the motorway. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. This this is bef- when the motorway regulations start before the motorway starts. Right. So it, this one particularly is a roundabout down to another roundabout. So it's basically a dual carriageway. But it's motor, motorway regulation, and then the next roundabout is the one that leads onto the motorway. And so many people um, drive down, come round, and and you know, and come back. Um, so the um, you know that you've got to know those areas. And then something else that I should have realised, and I really didn't until I was chatting chatting with one of our PDIs. Um, what's the things that are missing because they're not able to go and sit in on tests we learn our craft partly by sitting in on tests because we learned where it was going wrong at that end point and we had that luxury of being able to sit in on tests but they can't so how do you know 
what's happening at that point? How do you know what how a, a test is done, is conducted? How can you best prepare pupils, not teach them test routes, not teach them the, the test bit, but actually understanding what's going to be asked of them? This is the same as knowing the competencies, but then being able to go and deliver a really good lesson. You don't need to know the competencies, competencies to deliver a really good lesson. But if you're not matching them, there's going to be a problem. You've got to know that end environment. And PDIs don't because they haven't got that awesome tool that we had, which was go and sit in the back of your tests and then learn from, from that experience. So I've started offering my services going out and doing mock tests for PDIs pupils so that they can sit in. And, and I've made those much more formal than I would normally because um, I'm normally quite happy to go, well, that went really wrong. We'll just pause for a minute. The, the the traditional out of role thing, which I've never been a fan of, but um, you know, I'll, I'll, we'll stop and have a chat. Um, and now, actually, I'll do a much more formal one because that's the only experience they get of it. And you know, it, we forget that. I, I saw a, a write up yesterday, just looking at, at school kids. Of um, my son's just entered year seven, and uh, it, his last normal year at school, year four because of covid and when you see that written down no wonder these kids are really struggling with with that education and what's the knock-on effect going to be we've got the same thing we've had the same disruptions especially the pdis absolute respect to anyone that's managed to stick with it and and so far make it successful um working through from not getting government support and all the rest of it totally you know so do yeah going back to your point you know i'm not one to go off at a tangent you know that um area knowing the area knowing double backs knowing how to go you know to go around the block again and to make sure that if something went wrong you're either going to address it on the next bit of road or you're going to go back and address it on the same bit of road and you're not going to do that once because it went wrong so you're going to stop and talk about it if you need to Keep driving and talk about it if, if, if you can. Um, and then you're going to go around and you're going to do it full talk through. You're going to really support them through it. You Whatever's needed. Then you're going to do it more independently and then you're going to give them the option of doing it again just to prove a point. Yeah. And, think, and that's good use of the practice area again. I think the the thing that kind of hammered that hole for me was right back when I did my, my old style part three. Um, and it was the first attempt because I passed second time. And the examiner said, oh, we're going to take the next left. And I'm like, I cannot see this left turn. Where the f- and I found myself then focusing more on where the crap am I going here? Rather than the examiner pretending to be a student. So, of course, they then take that opportunity to make all the mistakes and miss mirrors and stuff. Well, I'm like, where are we going? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to take this left. Which, you know, And then she balls a left turn up because apparently I told her the direction late. And it's like, well, if I'd have known that, no, all right, you might not know every single junction, every single corner, but that really hammered it home that not only do I need to know that for, for you know, standard checks, but I also need to know that for my lessons in case the pupil does the wrong thing. Because sometimes, as we know, it's, it's safer to let them turn the wrong way than just to slam on or grab the wheel. But then you go the wrong way, you need to be able to work out to get out of it. But So, yeah, that, that was that was um, the one that hammered it home for me. And the I, th- I, th- I think that's also a really good point that, people make massive mistakes with uh, on lessons forgetting standards check because a good good lesson is a good standards check 
um, instructors try and do too much. They try to cover too big an area. They think the pupil's going to get bored, that they need lots of change of scenery, that the more we can do inside of a session, inside of a period of time, you know, the more area we've covered, the more miles we've done, the more they've learnt. Rubbish. It's not true. And actually, when you find the confidence to drive around the same figure of eight, you know, when you're bored and they're still learning and, and benefiting from it, you'll realise that actually that pupil doesn't care where they are. They don't care what's out the window, especially when their focus is on their hands and feet in the, in the earlier days. We're doing it for us. We're doing it for the image that we think we're portraying and we're doing it for lots of other reasons. Um, as long as they are benefiting and learning, that is bottom of their list. You know, did I get better today at driving? Have I achieved what I wanted to achieve? And, and, and do I know what I was achieving? So often the, the first thing I'll correct in people's lessons is, you know, they'll start, they'll do the briefing bit at the beginning and, and with the ch they'll chat about it. And they might say to the pupil, what do you want to do today kind of stuff. But then if I stop, you know, okay, right, let's go and do that. So, right, just stop a sec. Can you both tell me what the goal is, pupil first? Not a clue. <laughs> You know, they know the conversation they've had, but actually there are odds on what they're going to go and do. Now, if, if you're at odds on that, how are you going to make that test area appropriate for that? How are you going to deliver something where at the end they think they've achieved it? Because they're trying to achieve something different. So, you know, all of these things need to line up. And, and you know, I, th I think it's, it's not necessarily about how much, how many miles can you cover? what radius can you cover it's about what can you do inside the space that's available i think the the last thing i want to ask you about is and this is kind of almost a specific example so i'll try and describe this as best i can but it's almost going back to um who you should take and i'm going to use the, the formbury tester example again which i'm presuming you're not familiar with so a formbury test center starts off in a car park and when you come out of it it's sort of very windy little road and then you can go left which takes you to a smallish roundabout which immediately leads to a huge roundabout four lanes onto a dual carriageway or you can come out of the test center and go right which takes you onto a bigger roundabout with and it's on sort of big not explain this very well bigger roads and then into more of a rural area so to come out of that car park you have to be a, a you know a decent level of skill already so yeah. in that specific situation at that test centre, would you let that impact? Because at the minute, I know we're doing short standards checks because of COVID, you know, we're not doing the, the goal setting, stuff like that. So would you let it impact the student you take? Or, and you're going back to that, I know we said you probably try to set someone part of the trend anyway, but would you let it impact the person you take? Because it is a difficult place to guide someone out of if they're not overly familiar with that. Does, have I explained that question so it makes sense? Yeah, yes, yes, and and I think uh, I think it's a, a question that's being asked a lot. Um, COVID is is just a pain in the ass, isn't it? Um, it messes everything up. Um, there are certain things that I'll ask the EO, the enforcement officer, which is what a lot of people still refer to as, a, as a, a, an SE, a, a senior examiner, um, but the enforcement officers, again, who came up with that name. Um, but ask them, because if you've got someone that you think, they're not going to deal with that bit at the beginning, is it all right if you meet me two minutes down the road 
and we start from there. And a lot of the time they're saying, yes, that's fine. Yeah, you know, because if that's what's going to work, and it depends on who you've got, and they're not all as good as each other. I recognise that. You get that in any job. But actually, if you don't ask, you won't get. And if you don't ask, you won't develop the relationship with them to be able to ask. And our local guy is awesome. But some of that's because we put the effort in. And he knows that we're not trying to swing the lead. Um, we're not trying to, to you know, beat the system. Um, I think also we're saying that you're we're not doing the uh, goal setting and and briefing at the beginning in the format the full format. I I think we're doing it differently, and I think it's important to see it as we're doing it differently. You do get still get the enforcement officer asking you, who have we got and what we're we going to do today. So yes, you might not do it. You, you could still do it with the three of you. You could still pull them over. But they want to know about your people. See, you can tell them. You can feed them that information you want them to know. Make use of it. So it's being done differently rather than it's not being done, I think, is a, is a more uh, beneficial way to approach it. Um, and it's trying to figure out what works. Um, so... If there is an issue like that and you're not sure, ask them. They know the local area and they're the one deciding. So I think it's a great question to ask, you know, trainers like myself. Um, but my opinion doesn't count. Um, it's down to your individual enforcement officer and what they think is inside of the set of rules. If you make it clear in a non-confrontational way, which it's sad that I need to say it, but I will, um, if you make it clear in that way of saying, right, this is the only people that I can get that I know is going to turn up, and it's it's as good as I can get, this is the lesson I therefore want to go and do as an initial plan. To make that work, it would really help if I could meet you five minutes down the road. Is that all right? Um, it would really help if, uh, if I can just have a 10-minute phone call with you to just chat about their specific needs or their history. Uh, I was out with someone uh, this weekend who had a car, car accident previously. Um, she wasn't the passenger. Uh, sorry, wasn't the driver. She was the passenger. And it's really messed her up. And at the beginning, we thought it was going to... She's a full license holder. We thought it was going to be a case of building her confidence on the road. After the the, you know awful performance that that ended up happening neither of our fault particularly it was just that we realized it's not about fixing her driving it's not about building confidence she needs skills outside of driving instructing um to work on the trauma the genuine trauma associated with it so if you're working with someone who's had that make sure that the, the uh the enforcement officer knows that if you end up in a similar situation you might have to just stop and have a chat you know have that conversation in advance they, they are human ish i i love these episodes the the standard check checklist it's, it's one of my favorite things i do for the entire instructor podcast collection of shit that i do it's one of the the favorite things i do because the the idea behind this show is never to sort of find cheats or to only look at the standards check it's we've got this list of competencies. Let's see what they mean and let's see how we can utilise them almost. And I love these episodes because 
everyone so far, it's been like I, I get loads of good advice, loads of get good tips, but there's always one thing that stands out. And that that was it for me. It's something that I wouldn't have thought to do. I wouldn't have thought, actually, let's just let's just contact the enforcement officer and just see. I wonder if we could literally just start after the roundabout, which they could walk to. It's a two-minute walk because they can cut across the bloody walkway thing at Formery, for example. Yeah. So I wonder if we could do that because that would mean that we don't have to do that roundabout and go straight onto these industrial estates or, or whatever it was. Um, I thought... That's that's gold for me, is that, and that's the, the for me. And I always listen to back to these episodes, but that's the biggest thing I'm taking away: not to being afraid to communicate with the enforcement officers. And the other thing, just on that, even if they were to say no for any reason, if you've been polite and respectful, like you said, non-confrontational, at least they know coming towards that what the scenario is, so that if there is a problem getting around that roundabout for whatever reason. They, they know to anticipate. And I think that that's a, a big win in itself. So it genuinely not something I would have thought of. And I think that it, when we spoke before we started recording today about sometimes people pointing out something really obvious, then you're going, oh, yeah. That, that's one of those moments for me. Yeah, um, I, I know. I, I think it, especially when we're in, we get functionally fixed. The test centre is where you start and finish from. We do tests from there. That's how it works. And actually, no, you're right. It, it hasn't got to be that way. And, and just asking is, you know, is, is always the, the go-to. And that that is what, you know, credit to the DVSA. Um, as I always try to give it on the odd occasion it happens. Um, the, um, the phone calls that the enforcement officers are giving, if you're being called for a standards check, have been very well received going through people's crystal reports and, and, and going through that, that you're getting that opportunity to have that conversation. But it's a two-way conversation, so make sure it is. So yeah. Whenever you say credit to the DVSA, I see the words come out of your mouth, and they've got a little asterisk next to them. I am just going to finish on one little note, though, because when I had my uh, so far one on the Sanders trip, um, we did the thing. And I remember one of the, she gave me very, very little feedback. I'm not going to go through all that now, but one of the things she did say to me, I've just remembered, I completely forgotten this. She said, in future, on your Sanders trip, try not to use test routes. And I'm like, how? This is fucking, I'm coming from the test centre, driving around, I'm yeah. coming back to the test centre. I, I, I literally can't go anywhere else. I've got, you yes. know, it really made me chuckle. But either way. Yeah. Um, but it, again, that's their assumption that you've chosen it because it was the route that they chose. Hang on, they were looking for a good route that pushed certain buttons. You were looking for a good route that provided certain challenges. You, you, it's not a wonder that you're going to end up in the same kind of area when you're starting out from the same point. Yeah. Um, okay, so any any other thoughts, any final touches that you want to comment on regarding uh, the, were the task, were, I can't say, were the practice areas suitable? Um, if they're not, be honest. Um, that's that's my, my other thing. It's okay to put your hands up and verbalise for the benefit of all, th- you know, all three people in the car, um, that you know, normally it's not this busy, or I was hoping this was going to be here and it's not, but we haven't got time to totally relocate. Um, you know, make sure it's said out loud. If they don't hear it, they can't, you know, bear it in mind as we've already said. You know, you've got that opportunity beforehand. You've got the opportunity in there. You're not supposed to turn around and 
talk to the examiner, but you can talk with them listening. Um, you know, you know, they're outside the door and, and uh, yeah, their ears are open. So um, yeah, you know, make sure that you verbalize it if there is an issue like that. And, and it's okay to put your hands up and go, or even to stop at the side of the road for a moment, not for the pupil's benefit, but for your own and go, right, I need to regroup because this isn't working. How can we make it work? Going back to what you said earlier, either changing the changing the area or changing the the activity. And then the final question, I'd like to leave us with some piece of tip, a piece of advice, a suggestion, anything around that for, for anyone listening now based around standards checks. For me, it's totally about don't try and take the 17 competencies with you. Um, break it down into smaller uh, and, and try and make that fit um, what you can manage at that moment in time. So if it is three things, if you could do three things, and instructors often can because a lot of our things are based around three activities, then work to threes. If, you know, if, you, if you're really lucky and you can do fives, remember under pressure you might not be able to. So um, think about what you can do under pressure. If it's one because you feel nerves, then fine. Do that one thing really well and then move on to the next one thing and work in that way. And the best advice that you give is the advice you give to your pupil. You wouldn't believe how many instructors don't listen to their own advice. So imagine you're talking to your pupil and uh, and then listen. Feel attacked. Feel attacked by that. It's, it's all of us and we all know that we do it. So, yeah, imagine you're talking to your pupil and if necessary, record it. And pretend you're talking to a pupil and listen, listen to it back as advice to yourself. All right, cool. Uh, well, as always, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on. One thing I have said going forward, I'll make uh, the, the wonderful premium listeners at least now, I'll make them aware is that I intend to utilise you a little bit more for more than just news within the industry, as much as that is something you're good for, uh, being the architect of the industry that you are. Um, but where can people find you if they want more, more Chris goodness? The, the, the best place is the DITC because you know all the stuff comes through to my inbox um, and you know otherwise Facebook um, you know stick, stick me in Google and, I, and I, I come up all over the place so, so they they all come to me I'm not fussy whatever works best for you you know if, if a text message or a phone call is your thing then do that and, and I will adapt to, to to what suits if I can't um you know do it at that moment in time i will get back to you and i don't mind being chased so you know if if things don't line up uh, we all know what it's like doing this job um so yeah the 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 ditc t-h-e d-i-t-c dot co dot uk um is the best because people forget the the is a the um as, as you rightly said yourself the instructor podcast yeah um so yeah the d-i-t-c dot co dot uk go there uh, you can check it out while you're there and, and see whether it is worth your six pounds a month uh, to become a member. Um, but I am well up for a chat about whatever is bothering you. Um, and if I don't know the answer, I will definitely know someone that does. So there's a challenge for you. Awesome. Definitely worth the six pound a month. And uh, again, thank you for joining us today. Been a pleasure. Thank you. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them.